the UK election has just predicted a Trump landslide in 2020. Mr. Reagan. In 2016, the United Kingdom entered into something of a political civil war. The disagreement was over the UK's membership in the European Union. Members of the EU face a variety of trade and immigration restrictions. Membership in the Union requires a certain level of subjugation to Germany. France also holds a lot of power, but Germany has a dominant influence over EU policy. What do the countries in the EU get out of this? Favorable trade agreements within Europe, collective bargaining power, and international trade negotiations with superpowers outside of Europe, the US, Russia, China, etc., and easier travel between the EU countries. Not a great deal, if you ask me, but others disagree. Now, the UK is a relatively wealthy country, and some other countries naturally, are relatively poor. The UK also has a generous welfare system and free nationalized medicine. So the UK has become a target destination for many poor citizens from throughout the world. Long before the UK joined the EU, white guilt plagued the UK government. They enacted absurdly generous immigration policies to allow citizens of former British colonies to move to the UK. More recently, the Germans accepted a huge number of refugees from around the globe into the EU, into Europe. The UK actually avoided having vast numbers of these re refugees imposed upon them, as happened in Sweden and Germany, but the policy of Germany was clear. Europe was opening its borders. Despite their avoidance of this new wave of immigrants, immigration has been critically high in the UK for decades. The once beautiful culture of England is being eviscerated by hordes of immigrants imposing their own cultures on the people of Britain. Today, London is referred to derisively as Londonistan. We will get into that in a moment. First, I need to sell you something. Imagine if you had received a personal invitation to invest $50 in Uber when it was just a startup. On IPO day, you could have made $248,250. That same $50 invested in Amazon before it IPO'd could have made you over $7 million. Mike Marcula was Apple's first angel investor. On IPO day, his windfall was already 220,552%. But that was when Apple was only worth $1.8 billion. Think about how much Marcula's net worth grew as Apple blazed a path to becoming the first $1 trillion company in US history. And without him, iPhones, Apple Watches, iPads, and other devices that we use in our daily lives may never have been invented. Look at these surprising returns from these popular startup companies. One of these earned 583,264% revenue surge. Now, which would you rather be, an angel investor or an IPO investor? The choice is clear as day. How would you feel if you could lock in a ground floor opportunity in the hottest startups this year that everybody's fighting over? Fortunately, Shark Tank's Robert Herzvek and his team of ultra-successful angel investors are here to help deliver angel deals with life-changing upside delivered to you on a silver platter. Watch the free video at GetAngelRich.com or click the link in the description and see how you can participate in these potentially lucrative deals before the mainstream finds out about them. That's GetAngelRich.com. Today, London is referred to derisively as Londonistan. Throughout many parts of the city, you will struggle to see a single white Englishman or a traditionally English shop. These regions have been absolutely overrun by immigrants, and the native Englishmen have all been pushed out. Behind me, that's the masjid. Huge. And there's just so many people here. Like, they have to have two Jumu'ah because even though the masjid is so big, they cannot contain the amount of Muslims here. So it's like, wow, mashallah. You know, you can walk around the street. 
you might find one English speaking person. Yeah. So something like quarter of a million uh, Europeans are coming here every year and staying here. So for you know maybe five years down the line, ten years down the line, things might just get overcrowded. Worse still, throughout England. There was an epidemic of something called grooming gangs. Pakistani men would target young white girls as young as 12, and they were being groomed for prostitution. These girls were raped by the Pakistani men in these gangs. Horrifyingly, this was all covered up for years by UK authorities because they were afraid of being accused of racism. And they were also afraid that the British people would become racist toward the Pakistani immigrants in Britain. Now... Finally, seven years later and after 11 months of court cases, this gang of 20 men are imprisoned for what they did. Between 2004 and 2011, this gang of 20 roamed Huddersfield, searching for vulnerable girls, children, some as young as 11, to befriend, then ply with drink, drugs, and eventually abuse. Many of the details of what these men did to their victims are so disturbing, we simply can't report them. And summing up today, the judge said it's likely that these girls will never recover from the abuse they have suffered. The way you treated them defies understanding. And yet, he went on to say, none of you have expressed any remorse for what you did. Both culturally and economically, the UK was being destroyed. Many in the UK wanted to close the borders and they wanted out of the EU. They wanted to regain national sovereignty and total autonomy. But the left-wing elites in, in London, many of whom were too wealthy to be affected by the immigration, smeared British nationalists as racists, just as they do here in America. Now, in the UK, you must understand that even the conservatives in government are pretty leftist. But in 2015, partially because of frustration over immigration, the people of Britain voted into office a majority conservative government. Under pressure from British nationalists led by Nigel Farage, the new Conservative government allowed the people of the UK to vote on leaving or remaining in the European Union. They called the potential British exit from the EU Brexit. The political establishment had no concerns about leaving the EU, however. They knew that the British people would never vote to leave the EU. The vote was supposed to shut up Nigel Farage and the nationalists to show them that they had no real support throughout Britain. And just to be 100% certain to ensure that they would stay in the European Union, the left-wing political elites smeared the British nationalists as racists. Members are fired from jobs, banned from bars, and abused in the streets. It's a party that appeals largely to prejudices, uh, prejudices against foreigners, against uh, blacks, against uh, Muslims, against gays, against... Uh, anything that uh, goes against the stereotype of Britain in the 1950s. So, when the vote happened in July 2016, the establishment politicians in London were gobsmacked. They were totally caught off guard. It had not occurred to them that they might lose. Listen to the people that I've spoken to this morning, the Brits who work here, and they are shell-shocked and they are devastated. And you know what? I think that goes right up to the top of the institutions here. I don't think anyone really believed that UK voters would decide to Brexit. It was a historic day in British politics, and it was glorious. In the United States, at that very same time, we were preparing to hold our presidential elections. In 2016, this was a race between Hillary Clinton, the clear favorite, and Donald Trump, the long shot. And we all know how that turned out. 
So why am I reciting a recent history of British politics? Because there has, just the other day, been another epically important moment in British political history. Over the past three years, ever since the Brexit vote, the UK establishment politicians, especially those on the left, have been dragging their feet on Brexit. They refuse to sever the country from the European Union, despite the vote of the people. The conservative establishment had no real interest in doing it, and the leftists were adamantly against it. There were several theories about why the British people had voted on Brexit. One theory was that the Remainers were so overconfident that they just didn't go out to vote. Another theory was that many British citizens voted leave as a joke or just like out of spite, not expecting that leave could ever actually win. Some people even proposed interference from the Russians. In short, the politicians in London didn't think the citizens of the UK were actually serious and they more or less decided to ignore the vote. You know, for three and a half years since we voted for Brexit, we've been told by the political class we made a stupid decision, we were racist, we were xenophobic, uh, particularly working class voters in the north and working class voters in Wales, they were told that they had been hoodwinked by tabloid newspapers, led astray by demagogues, uh, misled by um, adverts on the sides of buses and so on and so on. And now those people have wreaked their revenge on the political establishment that has been insulting them for three and a half years. And those people have said, we still want Brexit. We are defying you. We will not put up with your insults anymore. And you have to give us the exit from the European Union that we have democratically demanded. The plan was that eventually there would be another national election. And when the Labour Party and the Liberal Democrat Party gained a controlling percent in Parliament, the leftists, then they would call for another referendum on Brexit, another vote. And this time, they were confident that the people of the UK would vote to remain in the European Union. At the same time, the Democrats in the United States had a very similar idea. They couldn't believe Donald Trump had been elected legitimately. There was just no way. The American people couldn't possibly have voted for him. It must have been the Russians. <laughs> the Russians must have interfered with the election and fixed the results. It must have been the result of international sabotage. Never mind that Trump was attracting more devoted supporters to his rallies than any president in history. Never mind that Trump was doing a fantastic job as president. Never mind that the economy was soaring or that everybody had a job or that violent dictators around the world finally feared the U.S. again or that other NATO countries were being held to account for falling short on their contributions to NATO. Never mind that Trump was deregulating like crazy. Never mind any of these successes or a million more. Trump being president was devastating to the United States and he had to go. And so the Democrats began devising plans to undermine the will of the U.S. voter. And now we're involved in an impeachment, a disingenuous censure of the president of the United States of America by Democrats because they want to let the people know that they're smarter than us, that they know what's best for us. And although it may seem like Donald Trump is one of the best presidents in history, actually, no, they know better and they'll fix this horrible mistake that we made voting him into office. So the British had a historic vote and the Americans had a historic vote. And then the British left tried to undermine the will of the people. And then the American left tried to undermine the will of the people. So what's going to happen next? <laughs> well, what has just happened in the UK is that they've just had another national election. And much to the dismay of the left-wing establishment over there, the Conservatives have obliterated both the Labour Party and the Liberal Democrats, the two left-wing parties in the UK. The people have spoken. They will not 
have their Brexit vote undermined by a little group of left-wing elites in London. The landslide victory was mostly due to a huge tide of pro-Brexit sentiment in Britain, but it was also partly due to the popularity of Boris Johnson, the current prime minister and the head of the Conservative Party. He produced a now-famous ad in Britain, a parody of a scene in the film Love Actually. The ad encouraged citizens all over the UK to vote for the Conservative Party. Vote Conservative on Thursday. Get I'm Brexit sick of this. done. What? All they're arguing, they just need to get it done. Stop the chaos. I'll get it. Oh. Hi. Who is it? It's it's carol singers. Give them a quiz and tell them to bugger off. Let's get this done. Now, to fully understand the power of this ad, you have to realize that the film Love Actually is absolutely adored by the British people. Upon release, it met mixed reviews in the U.S., but it won a slew of prestigious awards in Britain, and it's become a Christmas classic in the U.K. Everybody in Britain would understand this parody instantly, and they would love it. I think even some people who hated Boris Johnson liked this ad. So Boris Johnson is basically the Donald Trump of the UK. Furthermore, Boris Johnson's opposition candidate, the head of the Labour Party, was this guy, Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn was a radical leftist. He's basically what you'd expect to get if Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, AOC, and Tywin Lannister had a baby. He completely embraced the Green New Deal, but in the UK, they called it the Green Industrial Revolution. During the time of Pol Pot, they were starving and they had to, and they actually discovered that they were lovely. Do you know what Pol Pot means? Everyone thinks it's his name. Bad menu? It stands for political potential. Same as Jeremy Corbyn, same policies. Do you eat it or do you disembowel it and then eat the flesh? Oh my God! There's got a bird in it! What? 
is that, that is pretty revolting. It is, I know, but if you've got a socialist running, you know, like Britain, when we've got Corbyn, this, this is what we're going to be eating. So Jeremy Corbyn was a big part of the reason for the conservative win. He's a radical left socialist, and the UK unequivocally rejected him with their votes. But what does that have to do with us? Well, I think I've pretty well established that our two countries have had a very similar recent history, and the elections in the UK tend to predict elections in the US. So, 2020? <laughs> I think Americans resent the leftist elites in Washington trying to undermine the will of the people just as much as the British voters do. So in the same way that the British citizens voted in a landslide to get rid of leftists in office in Britain, I'm absolutely convinced that the citizens of the United States of America will vote the left out of office here in the U.S. 2020 will not only be a landslide victory for Trump, I think we're going to take back the House. The Republicans will control the presidency, both houses of Congress, and the Supreme Court. We will be so powerful that there will be nothing that we cannot get done. But how did this happen? How did the culture shift so radically? Why have people all of a sudden begun voting conservative both here and in the UK? It can't just be immigration, and it isn't. Leftists have become elitist arbiters of morality, but the morality that they're dictating is a morality that the public rejects. The left proposes insane ideas that just don't conform to reality. They propose that white people are all racist and that we should flood every white country with non-white immigrants. They insist that men are all sexist and women must be paid more. And they demand that women have more power in government and in business. And they try to convince us that women should be more masculine and men should be more feminine. Also, they insist that it's perfectly fair that transsexual men compete against women in sports. And worst of all, they condemn Christianity and traditional values as archaic tools of the patriarchy that should be condemned and destroyed. But the tricks of the left don't work anymore. The left has used the terms racist, sexist, and homophobic as weapons for so long that people now recognize these words as weapons. And people resent this. In the 90s, conservatives were terrified of being called racist. Now they're either infuriated by it or they just laugh. People recognize that they're being accused of this not because of some unintentional insensitivity of their own, an ignorant misstep that's being called out by savvy leftists. No, no, no. They now recognize that these are totally disingenuous accusations, that these, that these terms are merely being used as weapons to control them and to control the culture. People have woken up. They've realized the obvious, that they're not racist or sexist or homophobic, that they have nothing to feel guilty about or to apologize for. And so the left has overplayed their hand. They cried wolf too many times. And the public are no longer fooled by their tricks. And so in both the UK and the US, conservatives now rule. And we are finally going to bring order, morality, and common sense into government. And I hope with Trump at the helm and a loyal army of good Republicans in Congress supporting him, we will get this country set up for success for the next 20 years. Before I go, I want to remind everybody to donate $5 to my GoFundMe for my cartoon show, AOC and the Squad. Now, if you're poor, do not donate to this stupid cartoon. But if you're not poor, why should you give me $5? Because America needs conservative entertainment out there. Now, I know I've been saying this in every video, but it's so true. Conservatives don't realize how powerful entertainment is. We don't get it because we're not easily manipulated by cartoons and late-night talk shows. But progressives are, especially teenagers. Seriously, a lot of their leftists get their political ideas from friggin' stupid late-night TV shows and cartoons. 
are so sorry. She bawled. So you know what? We need to make some of that stuff ourselves. As stupid as it is, we need to make compelling, conservative versions of this stuff. So please, hit the link in the description and donate five bucks to the cartoon. We're in a culture war, people. Come on. (laughs) All right. Well, that's it for me. And remember, it's not that our liberal friends are ignorant. It's just that they know so much. That isn't so. Good night. Those who would trade our freedom for the soup kitchen of the welfare state have told us they have a utopian solution of peace without victory. They call their policy accommodation. This is the issue of this election. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves.